It is our style, it is our flavor, it is our, it's all of the things that make us who we are, um, that, we're be, that, that white people monetize off of, and I just, like, if we're going to be exploited, let us at least get paid and be the people who are, like, that we get to be in charge of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, di- like give us I don't know, just give us three. our own yeah. coin, like, give it the coin, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be... Hey there. Yeah, you. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, in whatever time zone it is. This is Brandon, Brandon Kim, the main host of Last Stop on the D. I just wanted to say thank you really quickly if you're a first time listener or if you're checking back and you've listened to the entire season. Thank you so much for listening to Last Stop on the D. We got some new visibility now in Europe. I went on a nice little Euro trip, did five countries in two weeks, two of my boys from college. It was pretty dope. So special shout outs to all the new listeners overseas in the UK, in Europe, Germany, Berlin, Budapest, London, all of that. Thank you so much for listening. Um, This next episode is going to be the last episode for season two. Been going through some changes and some new developments in life. And this thing is pretty hard to put together, but just wanted to say thank you so much for listening. Hope you tune in for the next season, which might be about some things that you might find interesting. All right. Enjoy. Last up on the D, bitches. <laughs> Photography for fun, digital film, big sports guy. 
curious to kind of hear more about the podcast and just learn more about Ethan. I met him just at Fashion Week. And just randomly seen him around the office and literally saw him, and I was like, holy shit, another black person. <laughs> what Fashion Week was that? Uh, I saw him at Fashion Week September 2018. Yeah. Yeah. 2018? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was shooting a bunch of shit there, so I'd run into him a bunch. Believe yeah. me, it's not lost on me that, like, I have a, a fashion entrepreneur as well as a f- fashion photographer here on the same day. I really don't, like, get a chance to dedicate much time to, like, fashion and shit in general on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, um, Last Stop on the D was a podcast I started about a year and a half ago for urban entrepreneurs mainly to, like, start a conversation about who they are, what they're about, and what they mean to the community around them. <clears throat> Basically, I just want to talk to you about the good, the bad, and all the ugly shit that we see in our fucking line of work. Because yes. you see some shit, man, and you've been through some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, How old are you, Ethan? I am 30. I just turned 30, um, July of this year, and um, it feels good. Did you do something special? You know what? I'm not really a birthday person. I actually just wanted to walk into 31 being sober, um, which felt good. Uh, And I was actually in Paris working. Um, and I was with one of my clients, um, who's also like a really good friend and uh, like a few of our peeps and we just hung out and it was chill, super chill. For your birthday in Paris. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was serendipitous. It was, it was actually the like 10 year anniversary of like the first time I went to Paris when I was 20. So, and I didn't realize that until I was like getting off the plane and I was like, whoa, that's some serendipity. It was cool. Do you remember where you were for your 20th and 21st birthday? No, I have no idea. (laughs) I could try and remember those things, but I don't. I used to be such a stoner that that most of my 20s, I was so stoned, I kind of don't remember a ton of it, including (laughs) most of my education. Um, (laughs) I'm just being honest. Um, Which is why my next decade, I hope to have a little bit more clarity (laughs) and maybe remember a little bit more. Yeah. How could I ever forget, yo? How could we start an episode of Last Stop on the D without a shot, yo? Yo, I got some light stuff. I'm sorry, man. I know you don't drink, but like, I just got some soap or Bacardi or wine. Bro. I actually had. That is okay. Yeah, I will stick to this water. A little, just water. I'm just gonna stick to this water. Yeah. I'm gonna let you start on this. I respect that. I yeah. respect that. You're yeah. the first guest to say no, by the way, to the shot. But that's okay. I love you the most. You actually. can take mine. You guys can split mine. I'll take yours. Yeah. yeah. Do yeah, it. I don't like to let shots go to waste. Yeah, for real. Yeah, don't let it go to waste. Yeah. I actually had this soju the other day at this Korean spot I went to. It was banging. Where? In the city? It's, uh, it's Insa. Insa in, uh, Navy. I think when I ran into you, thanks. It's, uh, it's somewhere in Brooklyn. It's not far from it. It's a black boy magic. Let's go. Yo, so what have you done then since 21 to 30? What can you remember that you've done since 21 to now 30, about to be 31? Um, you know, I've done a lot of really cool shit. Um, I mean, where do I start? I... It's taken me a lot to get to this 
place. Um, I, I think I, I forget often about where I've come from um, because I've just kept my head down and just kept going. And I think 28 and 29 really felt like um, I lifted my head up and started looking around. I was like, fuck, how did I get here? Did I, I must have, I, I guess I did the work to be here. I, um, which it felt weird because it was I, I was just super diligent about just pressing forward and um, that also doesn't it it comes with a ton of um, you know help from the people around you that care about you I've had some really amazing friends who've been integral to um, my like personal development my um, career development and so yeah um, Where's your family? Where's um, your family from? So I'm actually adopted, uh, and I grew up in a really small town in northern Idaho on the state line of um, uh, Washington State and Idaho State. Um, fuck. My, what the fuck is in Idaho? There's nothing there. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful um, and picturesque, um, but there's not actually a lot there. Um yeah, my dad's family actually homesteaded up there, um, and my mom's family is from an hour, two hours south of there, um, so kind of regionally that's where my family's from. But there's seven of us kids all together, five of us are adopted, wow. um, and Sad. three of us are black. How old Sad. were you when you were adopted? Um, I was six days old. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, I was an infant. Um yeah, growing up in northern Idaho was um, super interesting. You know, let me, before you finish <laughs> about your, like, your life story, for some of, like, my listeners who don't know what this term is, I'm just going to keep it a buck. What the fuck is homesteading? Okay, so, what like, a homestead is, that. like, so when... No, totally. So when... Um, Amer well, when immigrants came west, they would come out in, like... Um, uh, wagons um, and find a piece of uh, land to kind of like stake their claim on and create small communities. Um, it usually started with like a school, a church, and then it kind of turned into a small like settlement of sorts. Um, but my dad's family um, founded their homestead up in a place called the Bear Paw. Um, Idaho. Yeah, it's way up in the middle of nowhere. Um, actually, I think when my my mom and my dad got married, my mom actually lived on the family homestead for um, a little bit, and I think my two oldest sisters actually lived on the homestead for a brief, really brief period of time before they moved. Um, it's very little house on wow. the prairie kind that's, of shit. That's so unexpected. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty rural. I grew up in a pretty rural, um, a very rural setting. Pretty homogenous. Grew up like 13 miles away from the Aryan Nations headquarters. Um, so there were there were like lots of neo Nazis and kind of like oh Jesus man all those things like Ruby Ridge and far from where I'm from. Um, what happened at Ruby Ridge for those that might be? It was a sh it was a shootout. Um, like government against. Uh, Cult what would you call that? Um, what would you call that? 
There's a whole Culty ish. It's, yeah, there's a whole documentary. There's a whole bunch of Netflix things on it. Um, it's pretty famous. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I grew up um, kind of way up in the middle of nowhere. Um, so it's interesting that you said the area you grew up in was very homogenous, and yet you were in this family of seven brothers and sisters, and three of them were black. Yeah. So, and I know we were talking a bit before, and you're very supportive of the black community and just supporting black people and putting black people on. Do you think the situation that you grew up in affected how you are today? Like, were your parents supporting that kind of mentality? Were you always like this, or did you kind of grow into that as you grew older? Um, I always was really aware of my blackness. Um, I think that I was, I think I was unsure about what it really meant, but I knew that it was important. Um, I knew that I was obviously really different than everybody around me. Um, and I had an internal sense of pride about being black. Um, which I think that my parents really supported. They were very much like, I grew up evangelical Christians, like very, very like right wing. God damn. Um, <laughs> very in, intensely religious. Um, the devil's lettuce. <laughs> yeah, but my parents were always really um, um, supportive in the idea, like they would, you know, you're not different from him anybody and like we love you just the same. And like they were very supportive in that way. I don't think that my parents understood what it meant to adopt black children and then raise them in an environment like that. Um, I think my parents just had a lot of love in their hearts and I really think that my parents are amazing people in that sense. Um, my dad's now passed, but um, Sorry. yeah, two years ago. Um, that's another story though. Um, no, I, but it took me time I think to love myself as a black person um so like white socialization is really toxic um and the way that whiteness um makes sure that you remember your place in the world as well as um that your your black body is worth less inherently um, as well as can be fetishized um, at oh, disposal yeah. or at, like at a, at a whim um, you know those I t it definitely took me time to put those puzzle pieces together and I think it was um, in a, it was it just it took time for me to, to puzzle those things together for sure did you have like a breakthrough moment where you kind of understood it or at least came to terms with it yeah i think there was there were several um i think one of my first aha moments was um in university i had a um one of my degrees is in francophone literature and culture and i had a french professor Madame Beauclair, um, who just now looking back on it, I just she was just on some fucking dope shit, and she's like this little white lady, How dope. like really dope shit, 
like this dope shit I'm about to like, pull up right now. Doper. It's <laughs> fucking doper. doper. Um, no, like she allowed, like she introduced me to all of this literature that just gave so much context and language to ways that I have felt, things that I've thought that I've never been able to like reaffirm and triangulate for myself. Um, mostly it was you know so my it, the degree is in francophone literature and culture so it's you know we did a lot of like um middle age french um and then old french and like poetry and stuff like that and then um the writings of um different french colonies um so i learned about things like uh negritude antianite creolite which are literary movements um what is that uh Negritude actually kind of literally means black, like blackness. It's like a whole literary movement of the Caribbean and um, expats of the Caribbean who then went to Paris. And it's, a, there's, it's like a whole writing movement that's around blackness, around um, uh, uh, identity of being Caribbean, of being black, of being from Les Antilles. Um, and I think one of the books that just kind of fucking blew my shit off that even now I think about is like problematic just in the way that it um, references you know gender but Frantz Fanon's uh, Black Skin White Mask um, and just kind of like reading shit about um, the black body in reference to whiteness and hearing other black people or li- writing or reading what other black people felt and thought and like all these like analysis these, okay. you know, of it. It was just, it totally, it was such an influx of information. It, it, yeah, 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 I have it. It's a really famous, it's a really famous book. Um, it's really kind of like heady, but it's also just it's just got a lot of information that for me at you know 19 years old was so fucking powerful because it like I don't know I think about the 90s and growing up in the 90s we didn't have a we only had a TV that had a couple of channels until I was like 10 or so um and I, I, when I think of the 90s and I think about black identity in the 90s, for somebody who's seen it through really just the television, mm-hmm. like you have Oprah, you have Michael Jordan, you have Michael Jackson, you have cops. Um, you know, they're all, you know, they're, they're the Cosby show. There's all these like super like small representations of, of blackness. And like, I remember watching something like cops and just being like, like, Thinking about the brutality of cops, mm. that show is yeah. like. I loved Watch for some reason. And even like, even the like the theme song, Bad Boys, Bad Boys, yeah. like it just what was like. Say here, yeah, right? and, it, and like, just it, I don't know. There was just so much for me um, to unpack mm. about um, black identity that I'm still unpacking. Yeah. Um, being black, identifying as queer. Um, working in a business that's about image making um, and putting imagery out there into um, the ether for people to consume and what does it say as I'm doing this. So 
Um, I know. So I, I know I'm all over the place, but it's no, no, just no, no, it's. I'm um, right with you. Like I have had identity issues up until the last maybe five years of my life myself. I got yeah. to be like, like, like a six foot five, like tall, wavy haired white man until like, like I was like, you know what, this fucking drag game is actually cool. Like I'm rocking with. Yeah, you. there's. Really, and I follow that. Just I went through you know, the propaganda of our youth. You know, like, I went through a whole phase where you know you feel really validated in a room full of white people when you've got the one right people one white person that's like this is the black person yeah. like this is this is the one that gets to be in the space like and be like hi i'm here i'm worthy to be here and then kind of like that flipping and being like actually i know that i can be here i don't give a fuck what you think and yeah. you know i don't care what you think if I'm wearing is not right or is not appropriate or you know all of those things and just I went through this phase after my um just like a couple of things happened in my life that just shifted uh, my whole world and I went through this thing where I was like I don't want to shower like I'm not shaving I'm not showering and I just want to be a burly like smelly guy and if my scent as a black man offends you good like i want you to know that i'm in the room and i belong in this like this really white space and if i'm intimidating good like deal with it so hold that i'm I'm curious when you first started at img models when you were basically making people aware of just different black issues and kind of giving them your perspective on things how did people respond to it at first were people receptive did they not understand were they aggressive um you know the one thing that i'll say about uh, um you know imgs that they've always tried to you know push um push the boundary in terms of like um being different in and in, in creating space um you know just outside of work um my whole thing is about just creating space for black people like period you know i and it's a part of who i am it's part of my ethos like i wake up in the morning and i want to create space for black people specifically black women um and it's taken me a, a, a second to get to a place where I can even make that that statement that it's important for me as a black man to want to create space for black women. Um, and I think that's in reference to my little sister and kind of finally like, you know, I think we oftentimes as black men are just like, we gripe and we complain about um, all the things that are not fair to us in the world and then forget about the fact that like we have a counterpart who is a woman who also like put up being a woman on top of all those things and it's like shit that's a lot of an extra thing and it's like puts it in yeah and and is 
in so many ways struggling more and still just rises to the occasion over and over and over mm -hmm. and supports us mm -hmm. and I always like you know I just think about my little sister anytime that um, I just I encounter a black yeah I, anytime I encounter a black woman I just I just think about my little sister and I'm just I well, I'm gonna go out of my way to go the extra mile yeah. um, yeah, just to create space. Just be like, I'm gonna like connect eyes with you, and I'm gonna mm -hmm. smile. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. we, especially in New York City, we we find ourselves in weirdly hierarchical spaces. Like whether you're shopping at like a, a grocery store, or it could be shopping at a Neiman Marcus, or it could be going to a fine dining restaurant, or you're going to a Popeyes, and you have anybody that's in a you know in a service role. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, sometimes a tension that that, that can create. Um, I'm just going to go out of my way to be like you, black person, specifically black woman. Yeah. I see you. Yeah. I can hear for you. I ride for you right. and like do the thing. Yeah. If I'm in like the, the department store trying to find the thing and I know that somebody's getting a commission, I'm yeah. not going to let the white lady help me. I'm going straight to the black woman. I'm going straight to the black woman. Where's the black yeah. woman that can help me? And, you know what I mean? Those are just yeah. the small, those are the really small ways that yeah. like. So fact, yeah. Whatever bit of like money, little bit of money that I have that I can just be like, I can forward this in some way. Just like I'm going to buy sheets at Macy's. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm gonna buy those sheets from the black lady because yeah, <laughs> that matters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the, my boy Doug Simmons, you know, I bought a pillow from my son. He worked at Sealy Mattress. He used to work at Sealy Mattress. Yeah. I'll just pull up just to give him a little commission. I couldn't buy no mattress, but I'll pull up and buy some fresh ass pillows. Like fuck it. Yeah. I mean, because my boy from college, like to do. Uh, yeah, three. I don't days. know. Just, yeah, those are things that we can do. Those yeah, are things yeah, that we not? honestly why can not, you know? do for each other. That's true. That's true. And it's relatively s simple. And, you know, I think there was a there probably was a point, there definitely was a point in my life, and I say this with a little bit of shame, but I'll say it anyway, that, um, you know, wanting to feel seen by a white person in a space and, like, feeling validated by that yeah. and acknowledged. Yeah. And now I'm... And I've experienced this through black love, like queer black love. Like there's nothing better than to just be, like to exist in any public space with your black partner and just exist. In the, yeah. You know, without like thinking about it, without having anybody feel like, like there's judgment, especially for, yeah. I think for, for black men um, to be like really openly affectionate in, in, in any space is yeah. just it's really powerful yeah, yeah. it's super so powerful I'm trying to show a little love you know what I'm saying when I pull up to the desk and whatnot you know what I'm saying like, yeah. it means a lot just in general to me to just have somebody acknowledge my presence yeah of course and that I do work in service during the yeah. daytime yeah. it's not going to be that way because I'm going to get my break but like, what I'm trying to say is like we all work in service that. to somebody baby yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny that both both y'all kind of have the same energy when it comes to actually trying just to connect with black people that y'all see especially in the see a white that we work in yeah because to be honest for the audience ethan he's he's genuine about the shit because i met him on the so elevator I, this man, yep. we was, I was in 304 and Straight i was just about sure. to go on the elevator and then i seen him 
And then he just started talking to me. He's a real friendly dude. And he told me he was an agent at IMG Miles. And I was like, you fucking with me, bro? What the fuck? <laughs> and then every every time I've seen him, he's been real fucking friendly. So he genuinely does. Like, he's really about just support by people. Well, I think there's this thing about being black and white spaces that it's like you can be the only one. And so, and, and white people do this thing that it's like, oh, that's a black person. Do you know that black person? Is that black person? Like, especially, in, yeah, especially in fashion, right. it's like, yeah, do you know right. that black person? And if you do, like, are they like the type of black person that we also want to deal with or is it like right. are they like the ghetto kind of black person we're like not so right so i feel and that whole thing yeah. i just want to fucking demolish that and i'm like you're black i see you i see you over there black yeah. person yeah. see you yeah. so that's that's an interesting problem to deal with because i feel <clears> like when it comes to white people in my experience there's a couple different types but the two major groups are i mean there's some that are just straight up racist of course yeah. right and there's some that aren't racist but they're just oblivious mm. do you know what yeah. I mean like sometimes I'll tell people just exactly what both of y'all said is I just like to be seen and treated like a normal person mm. and usually I just tell people oh, I don't fuck with this person because they don't talk to me like a normal person yeah. and they're like what do you mean yeah. and I'm like they either like you said they expect me to know XYZ just because I'm a black person or they just they just don't treat me the same as they treat other people mm. do you know what I'm saying Yeah. and there's I don't really like the phrase I don't see color, but there are hey, some man, people that no, actually that's not the phrase. <laughs> it's bullshit. That's like, not the phrase. It's impossible. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, there are some people like there's definitely some white people that have treated me like a just a normal fucking person. And I appreciate those people. So it's But the fact that you even have to say that, you have to make that statement that yeah, like, yeah. Oh my god, there's a white person that sees me as a human. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah. just not that's just not a thing. Yo, but, it's you know, not a thing. A, um, question for you in general, like, so now that we're moving into this phase where I feel like people are at least more conscious of um, not just African Americans, but like Pakistani people, like um, like people from like Saudi Arabia, like people are acknowledging in this space that we work in in fashion in general is like getting to acknowledge that, like what do you like I guess what I want to ask is like what's next or like because to me you have kind of like a say like what's next because of where you not just where you work but what you're doing right yeah like at some point like like it's gonna I feel like we'll get over the hump of of seeing gap like biracial gap ads like like what do you think is gonna be next I, I noticed like that we that it's it's spread into a like like a whole no matter just what nationality you are like appreciate your own body is kind of like a like yeah like body image. well but what do you think in general is like what's next for, for I'm gonna answer that question two parts firstly um I am not I am so happy that people are being seen and get to have their space and all that um, I'm not so into I personally am not so into the people of color quote unquote the people of color movement mm -hmm. um, because I think that blackness gets erased in that gets lost in that um, you know specifically in fashion like Asian people have this, like, you know, this association with being quiet and subservient mm -hmm. and, um, you know, stylish. They have, a, there's a unconscious association with money and taste, um, exposure. Um, and then, you know, 
Latin people or Spanish people, Spanish speaking people find solidarity oftentimes in language. And even though they might be um, look black or could be identified as quote unquote black to, um, you know, to the naked eye, um, oftentimes they're going to also try to disassociate with being black um, and find more solidarity in their language. And then all of a sudden it's like we're talking about diversity and like there's no black people in the room. (laughs) And it's just like, well, we're diverse, but it's like there's like the one black person and then everybody's like, like, I'm not I'm not saying there's there's anything wrong with creating diversity of, of many shades. Just for me, my experience is that of a black person. And therefore, I want to give space and I want to talk about blackness. Right. For me, sense. Yeah, and um, I think that the industry, um, yeah, we're talking about diversity, but we're really talking about how we can monetize off of the black body and how it's trendy or how it's this thing or how it's so creative and it's different but the same. And then it's like it's it's all these things that I'm just not so. Um, I'm not jumping for joy because I think there's a lot more work to be done and I think it starts with people behind the camera who's actually creating the content yeah because it it seems like to you yeah it seems like that you feel as if the industry is more doing it for commercial reasons rather than genuinely supporting black cause or Muslim cause it's also it's like you know fashion is finally like oh my god Black people spend money. It's like, well, yeah, they definitely spend money. Yeah, yeah. Um, they talk to Nike, bro. We like we spend money like crazy, and we are a huge piece of the market. And the reason, and this is what's really fucked up about luxury fashion, is that there is this idea that a black woman cannot be aspirational unless she's exoticized. Like, that for me is so fucked up. Yeah. Um, And we continually just, like, deep dive into this praising of whiteness um, and all of the fucking boring pieces and nuances of whiteness that are just so interesting and then have, like... 10 of the same looking black girls are just like, oh, we're, we're diverse. And it's like, I just want to, I want to tell stories or help people tell stories about the nuances of blackness that I find to be really interesting that aren't often told. And that is starting to happen more and more. Um, m- one of my friends, uh, Michael Williams, and my other friend, um, uh, Terrell. Shout um, out to Michael Williams. Yeah, Terrell McCraney. Um, Shout out to Terrell. They did this show that's on OWN called David Makes Man. Um, if you have not seen it, you need to fucking see it. Uh, it's on OWN. Okay. Yeah, it's so fucking good, and it just it just it just talks. It just talks about blackness and queerness and uh, a black woman's plight, and you know, you know a. Tr- like trans community it's just talking about all the things in such a way that it's just like fuck this is so powerful and this is so moving and just everybody needs to be able to digest this and this these are like the nuances of our stories Mm. 
that I'm interested in like seeing and sharing and 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 digesting. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was a really long answer to that. But the industry, the answer, the answer is the industry is doing lots of different things. Yeah. Um, I, I'm so happy for people to have their space in the industry. Yeah. Um, the lane that yeah. I currently am staying in yeah. is just like I'm just down for black people and trying to help black people like yeah. do their shit. Yeah, so um, let's talk about something a little more um, like driven towards like you. What was the journey of becoming a model's booking agent like? Like, um, cause I know you had jobs before that. Yeah, so I've actually, like, oddly enough, I wanted to do that we spoke about before. Yeah, I might as well feel as creatives in the room. <laughs> um, I've honestly always worked in this industry. Um, oddly enough, I've spent the last 10 years in working at an agency. I worked at a small direct booking agency in Seattle while I was in school um, and then moved out to New York. Um, and I told myself I didn't have a job at IMG um, within uh, one calendar year that I would go back to Seattle. And almost so, year to date, I got a job at IMG. You had your sights set on IMG. Yeah. You knew. How, how did you know about IMG? Um, I mean, well, IMG, in terms of like, if you're in the modeling industry, um, you just know that it, it really is like the biggest and the best. Um, agency in terms of like representation i think that what we do the best is creating long-lasting careers for people um and in innovative and forward-thinking ways I, I do think that we are the best at that hands yeah. down i think they're at the pinnacle at, at, of that i think yeah and yeah, I, I think that we um we supersede the the label of being a modeling agency we like we really create and foster people's careers over a long span of time um but yeah i started as uh, an assistant i got that job the way that i've got i've i've gotten every job i literally walked in and was like hi i will work for free um <laughs> I've, I've literally gotten that that's how i've gotten every job in my life is like type of resume and been like hi i will work here um i actually went in with um to visit the agency with um my old boss who was on a trip um, to New York, and she was like, "Oh, you should come and, and do and do this, um, and see maybe maybe they'll have some space for you there. I don't know." And she was like, "He's looking for a job," and randomly they had an opening, and I interviewed, and then got a job. Hell yeah, yo, yeah. be like that. That's dope, bro. Pull up on the spot. Listen, I this is this is a piece of like a piece of knowledge that I will just pass on to all young black people just a lot of times just show up it's half the battle really sometimes you just gotta like show up and be like what's the thing that I have to do just I'll do the thing just tell me what the thing is and I'll do it if I don't know how to do it I'll say that I know how to do it and I'll figure it out because that's actually what black just people do all the time it's like show up and fucking figure it out and make the most of it right. yeah. <laughs> um, so when you started off as an assistant was your boss really supportive of you and was super, he or she a great mentor towards you amazing awesome it's like um, we totally clicked and she uh, 
fucking supported the shit out of me <laughs> um, and was super trusting and I think saw that I um, took it really serious. I think a lot of people have this idea about what um, we do as agents is like being super glamorous and fab and you're flying around the world. It's literally a job in production <laughs> and catering to people's needs, both your client that you're working for and whatever brand that you're servicing. And it is acting as a middleman of like managing people's expectations, emotions. Uh, the little stuff. I've seen some of the things that some of y'all do. Yeah, and it's, like, it's, it's totally it's totally crazy. And they're really great. Obviously, you know, obviously those moments that like, I'm like, fuck, am I really in this like experience right now? This is bizarre. What's the craziest moment you've ever had as a booking agent and period in general? And I don't want to talk some more about the music stuff. I don't want to get, I don't want to, I don't want to run you over time now. Um... Because you know the music shit is like... I was... In South Africa with Alec Wack um, on a, a trip to um, Cape Town for um, H&M. And I fucking got to meet Desmond Tutu and his whole family and like spent a day with... Desmond Tutu and his family. What was that like? What? What? Alec? Alec Weck, yeah. Alec Weck, sorry. Yeah. That's to Alec Weck. Um, and Shaq West. <laughs> um, yeah, it was amazing. It, it, I find myself, especially being a kid that was just always really fucking obsessed with fashion, um, I've just been able to experience really cool things like sitting front row at the Vuitton show or like being backstage at Dries Van Noten my first season that I was in, in Paris on the job um, you know like I do I do buy fashion um, I buy fashion on a budget <laughs> um, can, we talk, can we talk about this like off the yeah, line yeah, I yeah, do yeah. buy fashion on a super Lego oh, you just looking for recommendations. It can, it, it can, it can, it can happen. It's not, it's not impossible. He just wants some new clothes to go with his, uh, his arsenal of Yeezys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was looking at those. So if we could, if we could talk a bit yeah. more about fashion and the industry in general, what are your views on fast fashion? Like Zara, H&M, cheap brands that just quickly produce clothes that are pretty, not very durable at all. And just all the waste and manual labor that goes into that. What are your thoughts on that? Fuck, man. It's real. <laughs> I mean, the amount of waste that's create, that fashion creates is really real. And um, yeah, I definitely think that there's a responsibility for those brands to... Um, Think about how they're producing clothing, but it's also like, uh, it's also about us as consumers, um, being conscious about what, how, and why we purchase things. I'm a really, uh, you know, growing up in like working class, you know, northern Idaho. Like, I have an affinity for American workwear, so I love purchasing American designers and you know, I mean, like I know that somebody's. Um, like labor and, and uh, their efforts went into something and they were paid for it. Mm -hmm. Like that actually really means something to me. Okay. Um, you can't do that with all things 100% of the time. Um, but I really try to be super cautious about that. About like the tone of like. Just no. I just want I I want to try to like put 
my money into things um, that I know that somebody's being paid fairly yeah. for it. And you can't, you literally can't do it with all things. For a while there, I think it's my Pacific Northwestern ways of just trying to be like uber green, just not wanting to create waste. I, I went a little bit overboard at one point when I was like, you can't, you get, we really can't do it with absolutely everything, but I've tried with clothing. I do try to purchase clothing that's um, that's made in that there's something like artisanal about it that somebody's yeah. craftsmanship has yeah. gone into it and you know that they were paid well for it like those pieces yeah and in regards to the waste like yeah. we've got to figure something out like a lot of ways it's humans yeah it's like it's either the it's either the brands have to like figure it out or and stop producing it which they're not because it's you know capitalism's fucked up mm-hmm. or it's like we as consumers have to be like we are not going to buy these things because we're all going to be like drowned in our waste and like yeah i mean i think it's two, both two years time exactly exactly <laughs> what you said it's before i think things. it's a combination yeah. of both. Yeah. i think it's the brands having to be aware of the, the responsibilities that they have mm-hmm. and i think it's people not buying the products because yeah. the fastest way to stop that is people to just stop buying certain things mm-hmm. so i mean yeah it's, it's definitely an interesting field and uh to slightly pivot i had another question as well so when it also comes back to how you were talking before how when you meet another black person you try to put them on how do you feel about diversity hires and let's picture a white person and if they said oh you want to hire a black person that's racist toward me how would you talk to a person like that (laughs) um well I'll take this back to the way that I've experienced the world because it's the only you know reference that, that, that I know. Growing up in Northern Idaho, being socialized in a white environment, like um, you know, watching the way that white people move through the world, um, I know that they don't think twice um, when they do those things. And I. Like I inherently just like when I when I look in the mirror and I you know get ready for the day I don't think I don't like I don't think like oh I'm a black person trying to do the thing I'm just like this is who I am and I I want to I want to put my best foot forward so for the white person that would be like oh I think that it's wrong that you would like really try to only be hiring black people mm-hmm. I just flip that on its head it's like okay well then when, who who was the last black person that you hired mm-hmm. and who was the last white person that you hired because the reality is the last 10 people that you hired were white so why would I not be able to turn around and do that exact same thing and I just don't think that in, yeah I just that would only be exactly the, the true total odds in the end of it yo like shout out to anybody right now who listens to this who might be a recruiter cause I know a specific person you know who like picks through you know resumes hire black people to this you know like hire black people hire black people why not <laughs> like it's certainly not because we're not qualified or can't do the job like that's bullshit because we show up and we do the job always. Yeah. We stay doing the job. Yeah. I mean, 
to slightly go to a random topic. Yeah, I know you're into sports. You mess with sports at all? I was just such a gay kid. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> no, I mean my parents Fox forced my parents wrong? forced me to, to do sports. I was always such like a creative and like wanted to like play music. My mom yeah. literally, um, I really wanted to take piano lessons because um, uh-huh. I was obs- We had a piano in our basement, like uh-huh. an old piano, uh-huh. and I really wanted to play, like learn how to play. And she <laughs> literally told me like, if you. Um, do your basketball season at the end of the basketball season I will get you piano lessons so I was like okay and I was like fuck piano lessons by the end of the basketball season I could I taught myself how to play the piano so oh that's cool yeah that's really cool (laughs) so I was gonna I was gonna make a reference to oh Oh, no like lost lost I mean but we'll, we'll talk about that. Finish what you were saying. Yeah, I was gonna. You know, sorry, I was gonna make. But a no, reference. I don't really fuck with sports. <laughs> <laughs> For the record. Yeah. For the record. Uh, I was gonna make a reference to, and I was thinking about this earlier. In the NFL, for example, how so many of the best athletes currently and in history are black, but there's always been this enigma of the black quarterback, and for some reason, people have assumed that black people can't be quarterbacks. And when you look at what someone like Lamar Jackson is doing, that's incredible. Since yeah. since you don't fuck with sports, I'll go to like a movie, for example. Have either of y'all seen Green Book? Yeah, I've seen Green Book. Have you seen Green Book? I didn't see it. Okay, so Green Book, it's Marshall Ali and Viggo Mortensen, and so it's essentially I think it's the 50s or 60s maybe, yeah. and so. I know um, the general. You know the general. I heard the the, the, the podcast and the controversy okay. that surrounded okay. it as well. So for the yeah, listeners, for the listeners who maybe don't know about the movie, Marshall Ali is a musician, and he's basically going to perform in the South, which at the time was incredibly racist. So he has to go with the bodyguard Figo Mortensen, and they drive around, and yeah, that's essentially just the movie. Why so, is it called Green Book? I was going to say it, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. No, okay, but at this point, you've not watched it on purpose. It's called The Green Book because they give these black motorists a book of shit that you can and can't do in the South. Yeah. Don't fucking stray outside of the hotels, the list of the fucking... If you pull up to the wrong McDonald's, you will get slapped and sent all your, on your way without this. You if you fuck up in the South at this point in time. So they got a little book, a motorist Bible called The Green Book. Fantastic. Just, no, just thank, a, you. Not, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's fantastic. Well, I feel like one of the points that you said earlier is that sometimes with black people, and when you say just show up, that's really good advice because I feel like with certain roles, there's this assumption that black people inherently can't do it for some reason. And yeah. like, Lamar Jackson, what he's doing now, or like uh, Marshall Ali, I forget his character's name in the movie, but what Marshall Ali did in that movie and what you're doing at IMG Models, it proves, one person shouldn't have to prove that the entire race deserves an opportunity. Yeah. They don't necessarily... It's not a pressure. Yeah. Do you remember what I texted you the other day? Tell them, tell them what I texted you. I don't remember. Tell, look, look, <laughs> tell them what I called you the other day. What did I call you the other day? But I added oh, it was a sports reference that I didn't get. <laughs> I was like, what? So, Trey's like, he's going to tell you. Oh, hold on, let me find my phone really fast. Yeah. I really am just Trailer not a sports person. I've got so many fields around sports and, like, white people owning teams. Like, I have my yeah. own fields. Oh, yeah, bro. Shit, we, so we, we don't even want to go there. But 
Um, no, you gotta save that content for later, <laughs> we bro. We will save it that out. for another Stretch it out. Stretch moment. Do it because I got um, one more heavy one. I got one more heavy one. What did you <laughs> call me? <laughs> um, you want a little refill work? Sure. Let's do that. This shit's pretty good. This is a uh, Bacardi Mango right here. Shout out to Bacardi. Yo, I need a sponsorship, yo. <laughs> Too, too thirsty, bro. Too thirsty. Oh, you said that I was LeBroning. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. It means, it means you the shit. Thank you. It means you goating out here. That's what that means. Putting the team, putting the team on your back. Essentially. That's why I invited you here today. You know, last up on the beat because you got that fucking ultra slim dunking out here, bro. That article. Can you, um, would you mind explaining to the, my followers? Like, why you were in the news, why you've ever, like, you've had multiple articles, too. Um, Rick, you're here in particular because, you know, I appreciate your fucking fashion sense. And that's like, you know, I get, like, my tips, half my tips from this guy and half the other tips from walking around the man and getting fucking into him. But, like, we're going to build a relationship after this. Uh, um, like, what's, like, the most notable thing that you've done this far and, like, what is, like, the biggest goal that you're going to like trying to achieve in 2020 um you know i think for me thinking about the industry um in more of an abstract way in more of a creative way and then there was this moment where i realized that i was like oh i have power like this is weird i didn't realize that like i can make decisions about Things and people, and it be influential yeah. in a really positive. It, that it just it kind of clicked, mm. and I was like, instead of like giving the coin to the white person who probably is give, they're gonna get the coin whether I give it to him or not. Yeah, like that's just the way the system is set up. True. Um, I could also just give the coin to black people who are equally as talented and or more talented. Mm. And so I just, I wanted to create a space where black people could come together and chill and hang and talk and dance and um, spit ideas and feel comfortable. Um, it just, like, kind of create a sense of community within fashion and, and behind the camera. Um, it's not about models. It's not about the, the people that I represent. It's literally about the ecosystems behind the camera and being and being able to um, just have a sense of community. And I call it the fabric. Um, and I call it the fabric because we are literally the fabric. We are the thing. We are the, the, the material that this industry is made up of. It is... Um, it is our style, it is our flavor, it is our, it's all of the things that make us who we are, um, that we're be, that, that white people monetize off of, and I just, like, if we're going to be exploited, let us at least get paid and be the people who are, like, we get to be in charge of it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, give us the I don't know, just give us the our own coin. Like, give it the coin. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be like, oh my god, jump around and do the shuck and drags, it's like, okay, at least pay me for it and like let the system like help other black people create the content where you guys can like be like, oh my god, you guys are so great, you're all black, and it's like, oh, you're amazing. I don't know, like, that's a fantastic set, <laughs> like, <laughs> fantastic. I don't know, I just feel like 
I, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've walked onto a set um, with a client, and this sounds weird to, to say it, um, but like, especially being that boy from Idaho, but like, I represent supermodels. And, you know, I can't tell you the amount of times where I walk onto set with somebody or I show up on set um, to meet a client, and somebody's like, oh, um, excuse me, the, um, the service interest is over there. Like, the, you know, no. like, oh, the stylist no. is over there. You can drop off and like thinking that I'm a messenger or thinking that I'm a thing. No. And I'm just kind of like, one, you didn't look at, you didn't, you didn't actually look at me. You saw my black skin, you saw the black body and you made a snap judgment. Because if you know me, you know that I like to put on an outfit. Um, a total queen like that. I know. <laughs> I, like true, a, I like this to be in a true. full look. There's a full hand of jewelry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I give you I full, you right like, now. you know, it's a whole thing. So no, the idea that, you, like, I'm just there to, to, you know, it's, it, it's just, it's wild. It's just like, you, there's no other place that I could be, there's no other reason for me to be here unless I am dropping something off. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, uh, uh, recently I was doing press interviews with one of my clients in Paris and I had this interviewer, I, and I'm really close to all my clients, and my, clients was in, my client was in this interview and she's kind of going back and forth with me during this interview while the interviewer's there. The interviewer turns around and looks at me and was like, excuse me, sorry, who are you? And I was like, um, I'm her agent and she was like oh this is my agent Ethan like he's amazing he's totally changed my life he's changed my career and she was like oh I thought you were the bodyguard and I was just like no no and literally my client was like the look on her face and my client like this client was white and she look on her face she was just like oh my god she just was so appalled and of course i just kind of like brushed it off i can't tell you how many times i've been mistaken for the bodyguard um you know i a piece of me was like oh i must look kind of swole if you think I'm the, bodyguard. <laughs> the vain part of me that is a fashion queen um the vain part of me i was like okay i, look, I have been working out but the other piece of me was just like whatever like it's cool but it I think the best part, and I told my client this after the fact, um, I told her, I was like, she was like apologizing, and was like, oh my god, I can't believe that happened, that was so fucked up, and blah, blah, blah. she's like, like, she was reaffirming like how much she values me, and I know that, we have a really great relationship, but I said, the, honestly, the best thing about that situation is that you got to witness it. Because that's one of those things that you tell to white people that they're like, you're just kind of in your feelings. That doesn't actually actually doesn't happen. They never believe it. And it just happened right in front of her. And I think it was it was just like her mind was blown. And she's not the type of person that would be like, oh, like those things don't happen. But it was just like, you know, now I don't need to have I don't need to explain. Seeing it is different. There's no there's no explanation. You just get that like I just have to be in a space and be black, and there's no way that I can be the person orchestrating the room. I must be the bodyguard. That's the only purpose, that's the only reason that my black body is in the room is to to guard a white woman. And it's not not even like they're investigating and asking questions. Like they're... I see you, King. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's fucked up. Because they're just, they're looking at you and they're not even analyzing the situation. They're just like immediately, yeah, this this guy's here for help. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. (sighs) 
I mean, it's, it's we got we got a long way to go, but I, I personally think we're making some kind of progress. Like yeah, I said, think we are too. I think there's definitely things we can help, and I think there's certain people. So, like your client, for instance, I think there's a lot of white people like that Allies. where they just they maybe don't she's necessarily understand. I yeah, her so hard. She's yeah, yeah. but I think sometimes Kat people. Yeah. I think she's sometimes your shout outs, Kayla Snell. Yo, I'm about to go follow you right now. <laughs> yeah, follow last Do it literally right now for you. Follow last stuff I'm doing. Yo, yo, Ethan, I got I got two more questions for you. Okay. I, I'm gonna ask you a heavy question though. Okay. Yo, why they cancel the Victoria's Secret fashion show, my guy? You know what? <laughs> I was I was I was going to say all the things that I think, but I am not going to. <laughs> I think they probably canceled it because they. I think you know the industry has changed. I think uh, a woman's perspective has changed about how they want to be seen and why they would potentially buy lingerie. Um, I am not a woman, so I I don't I can't really speak to that. Um, you know being a young gay boy in Idaho I totally fantasized about the Victoria's Secret fashion show probably not the same way that you guys did but (laughs) I wanted to be Tyra personally Um, (laughs) but I definitely know that it was it was a it was a piece of I think all of a you know if you're a millennial a piece of growing up but I think the view of um, how a woman wants to identify or be associated um, the things that she wants to be associated to there's things that shifted mm. and um yeah i just think they think they've shifted that's all i can understand that shift yeah, yeah. I can understand that shift only because like it's just not so much to be focused on physical but like to be honest what i really was getting at was like i feel like there's lingerie for men too they just don't like wear it so like <laughs> just make it equal just make it the same is that your biggest conspiracy tell just tell, add, tell add me into it yeah. no lingerie for like, men so they're gonna put the nba wnba on a higher level like because these black women need to get paid yo there's a whole nother like side conversation i wanted to have to you about like you know the salary of some of these yo because oh my the God, point is like bro. we not making enough money out here yo and that's like a conversation for another time yo because we only go we only have like we only have a few minutes left and you know, I just build out my shot. Uh, and I had like like another important question, like a short like question. I hope I can give a short answer. You still got time. I hope it's about Lizzo. Yo, like I was dead sitting at my desk yesterday, two days ago, nine o'clock in the morning. The dude <laughs> sitting next to me, I'ma tell it. The, the the Indian dude sitting next to me is like just scrolling through this Twitter and shit and it's just like Yo, who's Lizzo? Like, why do all, everything, who's Lizzo? <laughs> Yo, BK, who's Lizzo? Can you answer that question for me? Who is Lizzo? Yeah, she's, uh, an amazing recording artist that like um, twerks and plays the flute and jams really hard. And, Let's go. And I'm about it. I love all that shit. I love Lizzo because she's like an outspoken black female and it's like, yo, like we hear. She's like, creating space. She's creating she's space. Creating her own fucking space. Like she's also like, she her body's not shaped the way everybody else, like in popular media, is shaped, and that's kind of important. Like to me, like it, as an idea like i just think about like okay 
people's main problem is that she's just doing a lot of the shit for attention and I get it but like to me just seeing more people that look like me is the most important thing like at the end of the day and mm-hmm. I want to see more people that look like me at work which is why yep. I gravitate towards you Ethan I want to see more people that looks like me in the creative industry which is why I gravitate towards you um but like yeah like there's always like the shit and it's, it, it's funny as fuck to me that the dude didn't know fucking <laughs> In his first impression <laughs> was the joint with dog. <laughs> but that shit's I'm I'm being real, I have that shit um, sometimes too, where I'm yo, just like, why do I keep fucking right seeing? now? If yeah. you haven't seen the Lizzo video, go watch her twerk at the Laker game. She had the cheeks out. <laughs> <laughs> she fucking out fucking Lizzo. It's okay, you'll let him be out. I love it. I'm here for it. I'm Express it. Shout out to Lizzo. You know, I, there's been lots of really difficult moments of my life. Um, you know, I've had, you know, I've been in, you know, abusive relationship um, where my partner was um, super abusive physically and, uh, you know, verbally. And I've been, um, you know, there was a moment where I was homeless and I was living in my car. Um, there was a time where I didn't think I was going to be able to go to university because, uh, you know, I just didn't have the money, and so I had to take a gap year between um, high school and, and, and college um, and figure out how to, you know, get paid through school. I ended up getting a vocal scholarship. Um, you know... When did you finish? When did I finish? Oh God, don't know. Class of is that bad that I don't know that? 2012, 20 yeah, 2012. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I really have just, I've really just kept my head down, honestly. And a lot of it was just showing up and wanting, wanting to do it. So much, like I was so invested, I just I was willing to do all the things necessary. Um, yeah, to get what I want. And I think for me, I've always operated in a space of like I want to be honest with people. I'm a really touchy feely, sensey person, so I I want to be honest with people. I want to work for somebody because I like them and um, I trust them. Um, 
I'm, I think I get this from my dad. I'm a very kind of like rage against the machine kind of, I'm a very like anti-establishment kind of person. Like if everybody says it's good, I'm like, is it really good though? <laughs> Even if it is good, I'm like, is it actually though? Like just because it has like the gajillion likes, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. So I think <laughs> just being that person who wants to like just deal in authenticity or that kind of like question thing, I think that's allowed me to be in the space that I'm in now. And also having, you know, I think definitely having white allies and people that have trusted me and saw that I was really, really dedicated to what I'm doing and wanted to be innovative about the space I'm working in and allow me to do that. I think those are all pieces of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Thank you. I, it's funny. I don't. I don't think of myself in that way at all. You know, like I'm 30 and I'm just like, fuck. What am I doing with my life? Like, you know, I just. So it's a one day at a time thing. Yeah. One foot in front of the other and. Some days I feel like this is fucking awesome. I rock at my job. I am fucking fucking up life right now. And another time I'm like, wow, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am so lost. It's anchored off of like the point of like what do you want and then like it kind of goes with smile. Like learn a little something from you and like that's yeah. important to me. Like yeah. no matter what, like know that that you like teach people things even when I don't even know them. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I learned a lot about you just from talking to you as well. Because, I mean, we've spoken in passing, but I've never yeah. properly spoken yeah, yeah. to you before. So, I mean, yeah. You did all everything Brandon said. Thank you for coming out and speaking yeah. to us. Genuinely thank, inspiring. Thanks for having me. Yeah, keep keep everything up. Like, love your story. Love what you stand for. Love what you're thanks, going man. for. Thanks, just guys. best of luck to you. Any way we can help, let us Hi, black people. If you don't, if there's nothing else that you get from this, hire black people. Help black people create economy for themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, we got got five minutes left. It's time for the five for five. I ask you um, about five artists that you're listening to, and in five seconds, you have to give me the answer. So, like, um, to me, five artists. It's really five anything, but I'm gonna pick music for you. Yeah, I'm a fucking music head, so um, in my constant rotation is Kalela. I love you, Kels. Um, uh, Sufjan Stevens, um, just always in my rotation. Um, Timothy Duval, um, The Baby, the album, I just <laughs> fucking love that. <laughs> um, and then. Uh, what else am I listening to right now? I'm heavy rotation. Fuck, man. That's kind of like what's just like on my thing. I mean, I'm always, I, I always have Eric Badu in the rotation. I always have the Fuji's in rotation. Shout out to Eric Badu. That's what you smell like. That's what he smells like. That's what I'm just letting Eric Badu. I'm just letting y'all know right now. You know what I mean, my man? I know it's like a son. It only took us an hour to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, what's your first song? Down listening to right now. Freddie Gibbs, Ninth Wonder, Rhapsody, Nora Jones, Shaw Day. Alright, that's the day that was like 16. 
Oh, sorry. I'm not in the idea, Jeremy. Yeah. Plug, plug away. Like, this is the part. Like, you know, like, fucking last stop on the D. Like, plug away. Um, Wait, what about you, Brandon? Yeah, I'm um, saying. Right now? Damn, yo. Um, Baron Man. Um, fucking fabulous, you know, like this dude. Like, he just oh, made the yes. rest, you know, like, it's just a problem. Like, it's just <laughs> Shout out to my, shout out to my homie Momo from Texas. I had to do it. We do it well. Um, fucking, damn, I got two more. Fucking, um, IDK. Oh yeah, that album's good. You put me on to some shit and like, yeah, it's like, it's hit. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Hit. The album's really good. It kind of made me think, but like, I actually rapped you some of that shit. It was like, yo, we gotta, show me, yo, Ethan, please share me as much music as like, anytime you're thinking about something, please just, yo, send me a link. So I'll find a way. I got you. Title, I got Spotify, but, yo, all this Damn, you are everything, bro. <laughs> so, no, so bad. Like, I always, I get into like, like moods where I just am digesting the, and I, I just have certain shit that's like fella cootie too I'm like always on a fella cootie like then it's just always in the rotation at least once a day there's one song that I could join to um, Damn, fat you got, you got these random like mid two thousands rappers in this bitch. Damn, fabulous and fucking fabulous. I woke up this morning. Well, actually, yo, and then like my sixth, my runner up, Kitchenada, fucking slaps. He was all right, all right, yo, real talk. He was dick riding him hard, boss. You, you, so before before you shut up. Before you shut up, before you shut up, this this man was dick riding him so hard, and now he puts him six. That's disrespectful, bro. Okay, Everything, um, we, I probably would have cut it, like, before this, anyway, because I got my life to five to five, is usually where I, like, figure it out, you know? but, um, yeah, like, we'll just, we'll leave this all at the end, um, I can, um, yo, I want to get your Instagram and your Instagram at some point, yeah. unless I might maybe move to the beginning, but, um, yeah. Ethan, you got any shout-outs you want to give? Shout out to my little sister, Keisha. I love you. She's dope as fuck. Really my best friend. What about you, Rick? You got anybody want to say peace out to you before we go? No, I have to think about it. So no, no one has to talk about that. Uh, Rick St. Luke. It's pretty uncool. It's alright. It is pretty uncool. He's he's flossing right now. Like his. What is that called? What kind of question is this? I am all about. I don't want to fuck with you. So comfortable. I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to do it. I can't be going to my head. What's it made of? Um. 
In the middle. That's uh. Ah, okay. Like the tiny couple of us. I was out here playing games. You was out here with a lane. I can play the side, make the road easy. But I'm too long. I'm, I'm, I'm the side nigga. I gotta sneak around and hide with you. I wanna see you give me five minutes. Pop a rock, you probably got like five pictures. Oh, 
I don't know what, like, that's amazing this that was able. I mean, obviously, people don't need their time essentially to creatively make something happen, but just even like the hard cost and like eating hot and 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 hot and